Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Pretty good, right? Pretty good. Welcome, welcome, Church for All Nations. My name is Pastor Ashley Wilkerson. And tomorrow, we as a corporate body begin our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I'm so excited about this for so many reasons. But we thought we would start with that video because fasting does get a bad rap, right? There's so many things that people assume fasting is when it's really not. And and I want to cover this morning a little bit of what fasting is not. And then we're going to talk about what prayer and fasting, what they are, and why we do that together. Now, I want you to know, just like the video said, I mean, this is kind of what not to think about fasting, right? Everybody gathered that. <laughs> But fasting is not a diet, If you are simply going to change your eating and you don't want any sort of spirituality a part of it, you are looking for Jenny Craig, not Jesus Christ. Okay? So fasting isn't just a diet. It's also not penance. Okay? Fasting is not you whipping yourself to get the love of God or to get His attention. Fasting is not twisting the arm of God like some sort of Santa Claus so that he delivers what you're wanting. Fasting is also not a means by which to make everyone around you seem less holy. Are you eating pepperoni pizza on the fast? Fasting is none of those things. And so today we're going to talk about what the problem is that so many of us face We're going to talk about the solution that Jesus himself gave us in Scripture. And then we're going to talk about the results of fasting that we see throughout all of the Bible. But when I read Scripture, when I study this idea of prayer and fasting, what I find is that it's an actual connection issue. Everybody say connection. And I thought about that this week when I saw my eight-year-old daughter, Israel, with this kind of older, portable speaker. And she was actually carrying it and walking toward the trash can. And I said, Izzy, baby, what are you, what are you doing with daddy's speaker? And she said, I'm going to throw it away. It doesn't work right. And I said, well, what do you mean it doesn't work? And she said, well, I'm trying to play my music, and it's not coming out the way I want. And I said, okay, baby, well, let's look at how the speaker actually works. Have you had it connected to the power source? Well, what do you mean? And I said, well, baby, it can't get power unless you actually connect it to the source of its power. And so she walked over and she found the USB port and she plugged it in and she left it there for a few hours. And then she came back and I saw her trekking toward the trash can again. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing? You connected it to the source, right? And she said, yes, and it's still not working. I'm done. I'm going to throw it away. We'll get a new one. Something else, right? I said, no, 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 no. What is the, the white cord there? Well... I mean, it's plugged into this, and she showed me. 
a different device that it was plugged into. And I said, well, well, baby, not only do you have to connect it to the power source, you got to disconnect it from the stuff that you don't want coming out of it, right? You do understand that. The input into it matters. And I want to tell you today that that's what we see in Scripture concerning prayer and fasting. It's a connection issue. And maybe you're like me and you've gotten frustrated over these types of connection issues in your own life. Maybe you've been praying for a breakthrough. Maybe there's this specific prayer need that you've been desiring and you're not seeing the results that you thought you would and you've got this frustration. And maybe in your frustration, you're ready to just throw the whole relationship away. God, this is not working. This doesn't function the way I thought it should, so I'm done, right? Some of you today are in this place. And maybe, just maybe, you feel like something's missing. There's an ingredient missing and you can't really put your finger on it. Well, today we're going to talk about that because Jesus' disciples faced the exact same issue in Scripture and we're going to read about it together. But I've broken up this talk, this fasting and prayer talk this morning into three sections. The first section we're going to call the problem. Everybody say problem. Problem. And we're going to open our Bibles to Matthew 17. The disciples are there with Jesus and they've been ministering and that's where we pick up. Verse 14, Scripture says, When they came to the crowd, they meaning Jesus and his disciples, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. He said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or even into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Now I want to stop there because this is something very different. Because before this point, the people that had been brought to the disciples, they were being healed because Jesus had given them the authority to heal and to cast out demons. And all of a sudden, like the speaker, it ain't working. Let's pick back up in Scripture. Verse 17. This is Jesus' words. And this, I propose to you, is the problem. And it's a problem that you and I face on and off all the time. Verse 17, you unbelieving, underline that word, you unbelieving and perverse, underline that word, generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. I will do it myself. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that very moment. Jesus is telling us here this morning that there are two parts to the problem. When we don't see the power of God flowing through our lives the way we read about in Scripture, there's often two issues there. The first one, unbelief. We are unbelieving. And I have a very simple definition for us here today, the most basic. Unbelieving means we are not connected to God. Goes back to this speaker, right? 
We're not connected to the source. We are expecting to have God's power in our lives, and yet we are somehow disconnected from Him. Maybe it's that we don't spend the same time with Him that we used to. Maybe it's that we've, maybe we just don't really find the interest in His Word that we did at one time. And at some point, we've become disconnected. And because of that disconnection, doubt has started to creep in. We don't have the same kind of faith we used to. And Jesus said, that's part of the problem. It's unbelieving. You've become disconnected from me. You're still saved. I still love you. But you've become disconnected. That's the first part of the problem. The second part of the problem Jesus said in that verse is you've also become perverse. What's our basic definition for perverse? Too connected to the world. When we hear the word perverse, sometimes we immediately think of the version of the word perverted. Same thing. All that means is polluted. Your relationship with the Lord has somehow become polluted. So the unbelieving part is that you're not connected to God. You're not connected to the source. And the second problem is that you're too connected to something that God never intended you to be connected with. Unbelieving and perverse. Not connected to God, too connected to the world. Well, what does that look like? Well, for me and Pastor JF, we have to check our relationship with the Lord constantly. Because this is something that we all can slip into so easily. And I'm intentionally not telling you what not connected looks like. I'm intentionally not telling you what too connected to the world or maybe what you listen to or what you watch. Or I'm intentionally not telling you specifically what that looks like because that's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit is the one that is to guide you and to tell you. And all you have to do is ask Him. Lord, are there areas of our relationship, God, that I've somehow become disconnected from you? Lord, are there areas of our relationship that somehow become polluted? Am I allowing things into our relationship that you never intended to be there? Lord, if that's the case, show me, and he will. And what I love is that it's not necessarily, you know, the Holy Spirit yelling, yes, you shouldn't watch that. No, at least that's not how he works with me. For me, it's as I'm praying, as I'm asking him those basic questions, in that moment, something will come to my mind. Something I maybe let myself dwell on. And the Lord says, hey, that's, that's not for you to hold on to anymore. You let that go. It's starting to pollute our relationship. Or maybe he'll bring to my mind how, gosh, I used to just rush to get in his presence and worship. And he said, you know, I really miss that time with you. If you ask him, he will tell you. So we know the problem. The problem is unbelieving and perverse. Those are things that we deal with. But aren't you glad that Jesus always gives us the solution? Not just the problem. He gives us the solution. And I love that because if we look in scripture, so the second part, solution, we're there now. Number two, solution, if you're taking notes. 
We'll look back at Matthew 17. He gives us, he gives us the solution so plain. Verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus privately. Why privately? Because they were embarrassed. So embarrassed. Man, they, the Lord had given them authority. They'd been praying for people. People were getting healed. And all of a sudden, it's like, it's not working anymore. Lord, what happened? What do we do? Did I put my hand on him wrong? Wrong oil, right? Should have been the good smelling kind. No, no, no. So they talk, they come to Jesus privately and they said, okay, why could we not drive out the demon? And Jesus says to them, because of the littleness of your faith, you've let unbelief creep in. You've let doubt creep in. He says, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, just small faith, even that, you'll say to this mountain, what did he mean by that? Mountain meaning any big problem that you feel like you can't possibly overcome by yourself. You'll be able to say to this mountain, move, right? And it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. And here's the solution. We know the problem, right? Unbelieving and perverse. He says, here's the solution. But this kind does not go out except by, say it, prayer and fasting. Two problems, two solutions. Two problems. Unbelief, right? Perverse. Two solutions, prayer and fasting. And I want to talk to you about how this works. The most simple definition that I can give you for prayer is that prayer connects us to God. Now, prayer takes all kinds of forms, right? All kinds of forms. Some of us sing our prayers. If I sang like Maddie, I would sing every prayer. I, would, I wouldn't even talk. I'd say, hello. I would just talk to you in song. Sometimes my prayers, I don't know about you, come in the form of tears. Just crying before the Lord. Right? Sometimes it's just listening. And those can be the most powerful times of prayer. Prayer comes in all forms, but truly the most basic definition is it connects us to God. And some of you have a misconception about prayer because you've been thinking it's a checklist that God said, oh, you got to do, I mean, I, oh, I got to pray. I got to check off all of these things before God will do anything for me. That's not what prayer is. It's also not penance. Right? Oh, I got to work in the prayer so I can earn my salvation. No, 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 no. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is connecting with the God of the universe so that you can learn his nature, so that you can learn who he is, so that you can begin to trust him, so that you can have confidence that he really is everything he says he is, and he can really do everything he says he can do. This week, Pastor JF was posting some old pictures of us when we first got engaged. And my first thought was, wow, I look young. <sighs> Thanks. <laughs> but my second thought was thinking about when I first met him. We met through his little brother, Richie. Uh, we met in Nashville, Tennessee. Any country music fans? Me neither. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. We met in Nashville. 
And I remember my first thoughts when he walked through the door of the apartment where we were all hanging out that afternoon. My first thought was, dear God, he's beautiful. (laughs) And my second thought, having known that he was at that time getting to be nationally known as a Christian artist and he was on tour, my second thought was, he's a musician. I will not let him within 10 feet of me. Any ladies out there that know the dangers of, no, 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 play on player, I ain't interested. No, 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 no. I like my heart whole and not broken. Thank you. And so that afternoon, we all left. We went back to Cleveland, Tennessee, where I was in undergrad. And that evening, I get a phone call from JF. And he says, now granted, I'm talking about I live three hours from him. And by the time I got back, he'd already called. And he said, hey, so how about tomorrow I drive the three hours, take you to dinner? I'm like, dang, persistence, come on. And I said, no, I'm good. <laughs> True story. And he's like, what? I, what? I mean, I'm pretty sure he'd never been rejected before at that point. But because uh, he... All I heard was silence, and it was like, uh, you know, the chin hitting the floor. (laughs) I'm like, no, 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 no. I saw you. I've been around you. I've seen your harem. I am not interested in, like, being one of those girls. And so what did he do? Over the next literally four years, man, four years, he would call every few weeks. He would send me emails, right? Why? Why? Because he understood that the more communication I had with him, the more I would start to really learn his true nature. He understood the more I read his words that he'd written to me, the more I would know that I really could trust him, that I really could have confidence in him. I began to learn who he was when he would make the drive and visit, and we spent time in each other's presence. I began to fully trust him, have confidence in him, so that when he asked me to marry him, I could say yes with full confidence. Guys, that's what prayer is. It's you spending time with the Lord so you can begin to learn his nature in brand new ways so that you can trust him and have confidence in that fact that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. And that way, when he asks you to join him in a mission, you can jump in and say, yes, yes, Lord, I know who you are. Absolutely, yes, we are in this together. Prayer connects us to God. So we see how prayer fixes the problem of the unbelieving, right? Now let's look at fasting. The most basic definition I have for fasting is that fasting disconnects us from the world. Disconnects us from the world. There are things that we may be involved in that that aren't actually giving our relationship with the Lord power. And I want to clear clear up something. You need to understand that this fasting and prayer thing doesn't make you more saved any more than my spending time with Pastor JF makes me more married. We're married because we said I do, right? Whether he and I ever spend time together 
won't determine whether we're married or not. You know what it will determine? It'll determine the power of our relationship. And so that's exactly how you need to reframe this idea of prayer and fasting. It's not going to make you more saved. It's not going to make you more loved by God, but it will make your relationship with him more powerful. And that is what is important. And maybe today we're going to do it in just a few minutes. Maybe today you need to ask, Lord, are there things that I need to disconnect from? Are there things that are polluting our relationship that I need to let go? Not because it'll make you love me more. Not because it's going to make me more saved. No, no, no. Because I want our relationship to be powerful, God. I don't want anything polluting it. I don't want anything diluting it. In the Old Testament, and you can Google these and read them at home tonight, Moses fasted, David fasted, King Darius fasted, Daniel fasted, Hannah fasted, Elijah fasted, Joseph fasted, just to name a few. Well, Pastor Ashley, what about this corporate fasting? I mean, is that really biblical for you to call everybody together to all fast at one time? Yes, 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 it is. There's multiple places in Scripture, but just a few. Esther, when her people were facing annihilation, called all of her people together to fast together in unity. Ezra called all of his people together to fast in repentance and mourning for the sins of their nation. Hello. Jehoshaphat called together a corporate fast when he needed to know God's battle plan for defeating the enemy. How many of you want to know God's battle plan for defeating the enemies in your life, right? Okay, well, that's Old Testament. What about New Testament? It's all through the New Testament as well. In Matthew 9, Jesus is questioned as to why his disciples aren't fasting with everyone because it was expected. And Jesus said, the second I go to heaven, all of my disciples will be fasting. When I go to heaven, all of my disciples will be fasting. He also said on the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon in scripture. He said, there are a few things that I'm already assuming you're doing if you're following me. He said, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, three things out of Jesus's mouth himself, Acts 13, we see that they were together fasting and praying about God's vision for how he wanted to reach the entirety of the earth. And what I loved is they did additional fasting, even after they got his vision, additional fasting before they sent anyone out. Just bathed in prayer and fasting. Why? Because it's important. Paul himself in 2 Corinthians 11 you're talking about the instrument of God that penned most of the New Testament. He said, I have to fast often. I got I to make this part of my spiritual disciplines. It's important and it works. So we know the problems. We know the solutions. But I want to talk about the results. And that's the third section as the band comes back. It's important to know how this fasting thing works. And for me, it helps when I think about this connection problem 
Remember, it's a connection problem when I think about it in reference to the fact that you and I are triune beings. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Ashley? It means that we're beings, we're the only ones of God's creation here on earth that have three distinct parts, okay? We have body or physical, we have our soul and our emotions, right? And then we have a spirit. We're the only one with three. Now, there are many, many elements here on earth that only have one, the physical, right? And so that would be like a tree. A tree is only the physical. A rock is only the physical. There are creations here on earth that have two. So all of the animals around us, right? They are physical beings, but they also have souls, meaning they have emotions. We just got a new, a new puppy for Izzy this week. And when, when she picks that puppy up, his tail wags. Why? Because he has emotion, right? Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor Ashley, do dogs go to heaven? I don't know, okay? Cats, I know, don't. Dogs, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just kidding, cat people. Come on. But we are the only ones of God's creation that have three. Three elements, body, soul, and spirit. And you need to understand that your body, that's what keeps us connected to ourselves, right? We get that, right? When we're hungry, our stomach growls, right? When we see something good to eat, we, oh man, I'm craving that. Even lusts of the flesh, we, we understand that. Our soul, our emotions, our decisions, that's what helps keep us connected to others, right? That's that connection. And then our spirit keeps us connected to God. Now, everyone here in this room, right here, right now, Pastor Jaya, Pastor, uh, we all, we all have one area that dominates the others. Maybe it's your body. Maybe that's the part of you that's kind of dominating the majority of your life. Not every decision, but the overarching picture, it's kind of dominating. Maybe you're doing things that, that make you feel terrible, right? If the body is dominating then it doesn't care about how the soul feels, right? So if you're just sleeping with whomever because your body craves that, guess what? Your body doesn't care how your soul feels about it. It doesn't matter. Your body also doesn't care how it disconnects you from, from God, that, that disconnection, right? That spirit is starting to, to weaken the spirit man. If your soul is the one that dominates your emotions, right? I've dealt with depression before, anxiety. In those moments, guess what? When my soul dominated, forget it. It didn't care about my body. It wrecked my body. My heart racing, couldn't breathe. It will kill you. It doesn't care. My spirit, man, weakened. Oh, when I let my emotions dominate. But here's what's beautiful about prayer and fasting. What's beautiful about prayer and fasting is that in the exact same token, when you do those together, it strengthens your spirit man to make him the most dominant 
of the three. It's what Romans 8 is talking about, living a life led by the Spirit. And when the Spirit man dominates, guess what? The body and soul flourish. They flourish. They're not dying. They flourish. But they're not the dominant one. It's really an amazing element of being able to pray, to pray and to fast, to connect with God so specifically and disconnecting from those things that pollute your relationship. And here's what I want you to see. We're going to close with this and then we're going to do a little exercise together. The strongest area of your life, and you know what it is, Even if nobody else knows, you know what dominates most of your decisions. That strongest area should help you determine what you need to be fasting. If your emotions are what run your life, if you wake up in the morning and you open Facebook and you're doing that comparison game, man, I don't have her life, I don't have his life, oh, I don't have this, you know, and you're starting to get depressed, your day is wrecked. Maybe you need to fast social media. If your body is the one that is controlling all the decisions, then now you know. That's why it's really, really important to fast food. Most of us, myself included, the food thing is a big deal because it helps squelch all of the fleshly cravings. And most of us deal with that, right, on a daily basis. And so it's not a thing of suffering for God. No, no, no. It's telling your body, telling your emotions, oh, no, I recognize you're there. You just don't run my life. You don't run my life. The Spirit of God is in control. And is it easy? No. If it was easy, everyone would do it. It's not easy. And it doesn't earn you His love but it will strengthen your relationship with him in ways that will blow your mind. Let me tell you, when Pastor JF and I, there are seasons, and you know what, honestly, it happens probably five or six times a year. There are seasons where we can tell our communication just stinks. Like we're kind of arguing more than we used to, and and we will stop and we'll go, man, we need to fast together. Like we need to do this, because. I kind of don't like being around you right now. (laughs) So let's fast together. Let's get our communication back in line. Let's do, let's, let's squelch all that other stuff. Get our spirit man strong again. Get our connection with God again so that even our connection works better. And you know what? Scripture talks about the results of what happens when you fast in a godly way. Isaiah 58, go home and read it tonight. The whole chapter is about fasting God's way. But I love these two verses because it tells us what we can expect when we fast God's way. Look with me, Isaiah 58, chapter chapter 58, verse eight. Scripture says, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing, underline that, your healing will quickly appear. How many of you need healing right now? You need healing. Scripture says when you fast God's way, healing will quickly appear. You can expect 
healings to appear. Then your righteousness, what does that mean? That means the right path. How many of you are looking for direction from God? You have some decisions coming up. You need provision and direction. Then your righteousness will go before you. That path will be laid out so plain that you won't even have questions about it. And I love this part. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And God's glory, God's showing up and showing out is going to be all around you. All around you. Verse 9, then you will call and the Lord will answer. How many of you need to hear an answer from the Lord today? The Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. Healing. Direction. The Lord answering you. That's what you can expect when you fast God's way. So right now, what we're going to do, I'm going to pray in just a second, but I want you to reach into the pocket in the seat in front of you and find one of these fasting cards. I'll take those. Thank you. If you can't find one, we had so many people filling these out in the first service that you might not be able to find them. This is what we're doing today, guys. We're writing down exactly what we're believing God for. These are just some of the ones that were filled out in the first service. I want you to take a second right now and ask God in this time of fasting and prayer, Lord, what can I believe you for? What am I trusting you for? God, are there areas in our relationship, Lord, that need a better connection? God, what am I trusting you for? And in just a second, I'm going to pray, and you're going to bring yours down. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to make it anonymous, because we're going to put these in the lobby. We're going to be praying over these every single day of the 21-day fast. So make it anonymous. I don't want your name on it. I want to hear what you are believing God for in this fast. And we are going to join together and we're going to see God change us and we're going to see him change this city for his glory. And here, even this morning, the Holy Spirit nudged me and he said, you remind them not to pray prayers that they can do themselves. I want them praying prayers that I will get the glory from. If you can do it yourself, don't put it on the card. Go do it. If you can do it yourself, then do it. If you can't, put it on the card. And we will believe together for God to do it. Lord, we ask that you speak to us right now. We are your children. We want to hear from you, God. We want to know if there are areas in our life, God, that we have become disconnected from you. Lord, we know you still love us. We know we're still saved. But Lord, we want to live a life that stays connected to you in powerful ways. Powerful ways, Lord. We ask right now in Jesus' name, God, that you would speak to us about areas of our life that we need to disconnect from the world. God, we are trusting you in these 21 days for exactly what we're putting on this card. And we are bringing it to the altar. We are surrendering it to you right now. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.